Good morning, everyone. God bless all of you. It's such a joy to be here this morning, and that baptism was beautiful. It was awesome. Round of applause for the baptism then, everybody. My name is Edgar Baer. I am the youth director at St. Andrews. Uh, Before I get into the sermon, I want to give some updates on, on our youth group. So about a month ago, we actually went to camp, and oh my gosh, it was such an affirmation from God of the work, at least for me, that I saw that we've been doing. Uh, We took the kids to Catalina, and y'all, youth were without their phones. It was amazing. They're without their phones. It was so fun. We were all just present with one another, talking, worshiping God sharing life with one another. It was very important time for them, uh, important time for us as leaders too. We got to connect. Uh, it's one year and a half that has happened. Uh, it was difficult for a lot of us and especially the youth as well. And so this time what brought a, a connection with God, with one another, and it was an affirmation of, of the work God is doing with our youth. Uh, other info about the youth group. On Wednesdays from 5 to 7 p.m., if you are... Uh, a youth, if you, you are invited, if you are a grandparent, if you're a parent, if you are a sibling, and you know somebody who's a youth, invite them over. We're going to have beach days off Avenue C. There's a red tent. Uh, we do some games, and then we'll do a Bible study at the beach. And then, of course, on Sundays, after worship, we usually go into the youth center, and it's usually the, every Sunday, with the exception of when I preach, or the first Sunday of the month. We're going to go into youth center. So everyone who's a youth, you are welcome there. Okay, now let's get into the sermon for today, guys. Something that I love is talking to people. I love to hear people's stories. I, I really, really enjoy it. And the cool thing is that everybody here has a story with God. Everyone has had an experience with our Lord and Savior, I hope, right? And each story is, is a bit different, right? Each story, every experience with God is a bit different. Maybe, you know, you grew up in the church and you saw the works of God and you realized that as you're walking along, you, you continue to see how God is greater than we could ever ask or imagine. And you realize how small we are and how God is, is just great, right? Or maybe it was... I don't know, the birth of a child, you, you realize there's something greater than ourselves and, and that I'm imperfect, that we're imperfect. And so we look for the higher power, Christ, our Savior. Or maybe you were living a life of sin, uh, deep, deep sin, and everything we did was just like, ah, this is not working. And so God called you to himself, and there's repentance, there's forgiveness, and there's a bringing into the family of God. Each person here has a different story, right? Am I right? We have different experiences with God. It could be that, you know, you're having a really hard time and you sought God through prayer and then God answered your prayer and you realized, wow, he is, he is Lord. He is Lord of all. Two semesters ago, the youth group, we did a sermon series on testimonies. And so I'm going to actually share a little bit of mine. Each leader shared a testimony. We also had a guest speaker. And I'm going to share a little bit of mine. And this, is, this all partakes as part of the, the sermon. So I'm going to bring it back. Um, at least for me, the story was that I grew up in a nominal Catholic home. 
And through time, you know, we went to church, but I didn't really care about church. Then some family stuff happened. And with this family time, you know, difficulties arose. And, and so my mom started taking us to a different church. And I didn't care. I, honestly, I didn't care to go. I wasn't worried about it. Um, I was a product of a culture in a sense. I believed whatever society told me to believe, and that's what it was. But then one day I was challenged to, um, I was challenged, what, what do you believe, Edgar? And so I thought I knew something. I realized I didn't know a single thing. So what I did was I picked up a Bible and I read it from cover to cover. And so... I'm faced with the question, what do I believe? Do I believe what the scriptures say? And the answer was, well, yes, I do. God's calling me to himself, I do. But I was a product of the culture and I didn't want to leave the lifestyle that I was leaving, living. I wanted to be, I want life to be about me. So I continued in that life. Saying that I believe in Jesus Christ, my faith was one without works. Right? And I continued to live like this as much as I could. You know, I reasoned with myself. I, I studied. I did everything I could to really understand. But, you know, it was, it was about me. And then at some point, right, I was confronted with the way I was living. I had seen what that kind of path leads to. So I was, in a way, offered an ultimatum. Like, this is where sin leads. This is, the, on the other hand, this is where God is calling you to. What are you choosing? And I left that life behind, and man, it is such good news to come into life with Jesus Christ. It is such a wonderful life of love, of forgiveness, because I was broken, broken, and God brought me into life, into family, in that joy that God brought me into. You know, I got to go to seminary, graduate school, uh, God took care of so many things. He brought me my wife, of course, and we live together to worship, to glorify God. And it's been such a great time. Of course, with its difficulties, right? Life has difficulties. But the thing is about the stories that we each have is that they share a similarity, right? They're founded on the gospel. There's a recognition that I'm a sinner, that someone is greater than myself, therefore I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner. In that, there's redemption, forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. In that, there's a welcoming into the body of believers welcoming into life, into fellowship with the Savior. And this is good news. But what happens, guys? What happens when life's difficulties come along? What happens when new thinking comes and challenges our faith? Or, you know, I'm just, I'm just in, in doubt right now. What happens when that arises? Anybody who's lived uh, multiple generations or has seen generations knows that each generation there's something new, some new idea or thought that always comes along and tries to tell us, well, this is the truth. This is the way of living, right? Every generation, something comes along. And maybe it'll take hold on, on some people, but the reality is that the truth of God remains. And I was actually um, talking to, to some people last week. We went out to lunch and, oh man, it was, this, it was such a, a, a good conversation and it brings me to a passage that I love. Because as we challenge with our faith, because challenges are going to come, um, we talked about a teaching from Jesus, right? And so there's this, there's this part in the gospel where 
Jesus teaches something that is diff- difficult for the people to, to accept. So some of them start leaving him, start walking away. And basically, Jesus turns to, to his disciples after that, and he says, hey, are you going to leave me too? And here's what Peter says. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have to come back to, our, to the faith, the faith that was given to us, what we've seen God achieve in our lives. In those difficult times, we always go back to the truth of Jesus Christ. And now why am I saying all this? Uh, so John, in the letters of John, he is writing to a church in a time where, again, another generation comes along and tries to distort the truth of who Jesus is, is tries to, to distort the truth of the gospel. So this is what's going on that time. And so John writes to reaffirm the truth, to show them, hey, this is what we believed. Hold on to these truths. Remember what you have heard from the beginning. Remember those things. It's God first. These are the things that we remember from the beginning. And in that teaching, there's three uh, pieces of advice or three tests or three knowledge, three ways of knowledge of knowing uh, Christianity, right? And they work together. They cannot be separated from each other. Three, I want, I'm going to say tests, but I want, I don't, they're not really tests. Three ways of knowing Christians. And the first one that he presents, and it's constant, it's a constant, like he goes, he, he, he looks at it from different perspectives in the letter. The first one is theology. What do we believe about Jesus? The second one is morality. Do we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? Does our life follow Jesus? And the third one is a social test. How do we treat one another? Do we love one another? So those three, in that letter, he's constantly working at them, looking at them from different perspectives. And you cannot have one without the other. So if I have theology, the right belief, but I don't live it out, then faith without works is dead. If I have the right morals, but I don't have theology or I don't have love, then it can be prideful, and whose morality am I basing this off of? If I have love, but I don't have theology, and I don't have the morality, then we can all agree that love is good, right? We can all agree that love is good. But love is falling short of what God is calling us to, to the greater love. So this is kind of uh, what this letter is, is discussing, and I, I said all this, all this intro, uh, to really come into reading the passage, and now I'm going to read the passage. If you can put uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, please. If you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles to 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life, might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son 
to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but yet hates his brother, is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of the Lord. Okay, guys, this is a lot of information, and there's a lot to unpack here. Okay, so love one another. That's what he's saying. Love one another. It's super simple, right? But then, of course, we come to the question, well, what is love? What are you talking about here? Because here's the thing. I think everybody here, we can all say, hey, if I'm talking to you, we're having a one-on-one conversation, and we're like, you know what? We should love one another. You know, that's what the world needs. We need more of that. I think everybody would be like, yeah, you know what? I like that idea. I think that's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's love one another. But as we talk more about it, I feel like there's different people have different definitions of what we're trying to achieve here. What do we mean by love? Now, we've all heard of the, the four loves, I'm sure. So I'm going to tackle this definition of love more from a cultural perspective. I'm going to step on some people's toes. I'm going to step on my own toes too. Okay, I'm just going to look at it from a cultural perspective. Okay, I'm not saying this is completely wrong. I'm saying that it's just, it's missing the mark. It's not perfect. Okay, so the first one is, is love tolerance. That's one of the things that we define love as sometimes. And I would say, well, yes and no. Yes and no, right? So is love tolerance? Well, well, let's think about that. There's things in life we should tolerate, and there's things in life we should say no to, things in life we should reject. And then that word in itself is kind of odd. Let's say we're hanging out outside. Let's say you and me are hanging out outside, and we're talking, and, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know I'm doing great. Hey, how are you and your wife doing? You know, I tolerate her. That's not, that's not very nice. It's not very loving, you know? But there are things in life we should tolerate, but it's, it's, just miss, it's missing the mark. Well, what about acceptance? Is acceptance love? We should accept. Being acceptive is being loving. And then I would say, well, yes and no again. Yes, we should accept certain things, but at the same time, we should reject certain things. This is why we have laws. We can all think of laws we agree with because there are things in life that are just like, hey, this is, this, we should just reject this, right? I know as a kid, I was, man, I was destructive as a child. I was a destructive, hyperactive boy, destroying everything in sight, and I misbehaved a lot. And thank God that my parents showed me some sort of discipline. They rejected some of the actions that I wanted to do, and they, you know, they were kind to me and showed me some discipline. So there is... There's some acceptance, but also we all know that discipline is good, right? Can we agree on that, yeah? Okay. So then is love discipline? Uh, okay, well, let's, let's look at that. 
well, that one also, yes and no. There's some discipline in life that needs to be followed, but with, if we just focus on discipline, then we're forgetting about grace. There's grace in love. Right? We have to allow for mistakes and for learning. So then what is love, guys? Well, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about when we say love one another? What are the scriptures saying? And so this is why I come to verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 20, before I define it. Verse 19. We love because he loved us. We love because he first loved us. Love stems from God. That is the first step to understanding love. Love stems from God. Love stems from the creator of heaven and earth. He knows you deeply. He loves you deeply. He created all things. He created you. He knows what's going on in your heart. He wants you to have fellowship with him. He wants you to come live life with him, a life that recognizes what the sin that we have. He offers forgiveness, and he asks us to have fellowship with him. Love stems from God. So when we say love one another, it's a love that stems from God. And what does this love look like? Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The love of God is a self-sacrificial love. It stems from God, though. It's a self-sacrificial love that stems from God. It's one that stems from God, that gives life. Now, I'm only, I'm only slightly going to talk about the other loves because I'm sure we've, we've heard of it. Right, you have the familial love. Um, that's basically kind of an acceptance of others, but that one falls short because um, there's things we tend to deny. There's things we tend to overlook in the familial love. This is why that love's incomplete. There's friendship love. Friendship love is great, but that type of love... Uh, fall short because sometimes we hang out with people who can lead us into bad actions. So that shows that friendship love is not the highest love. Then you have romantic love. And everybody loves their romantic loves, right? It's nice. But that one also falls short because we tend to glorify it as, as though it's the most important thing in the world. And we realize when we come into it that romanticism is not God. We glorify these people and we get disappointed because the people that we romantically love aren't perfect, and they're not. So we come to the higher form of love, which is the self-sacrificial love found in Jesus Christ. Okay. And then, of course, I want to read a little uh, thing that C.S. Lewis said from his book. He says, Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. If love is to be a blessing, not a misery, it must be for the only beloved who will never pass away. The eternal love is found in Christ Jesus. All right. Now I want to get into the practical, everybody. We're going to get into the practical way. How do we love one another? How do we love as Christ loved us? What does it even mean? How do I self-sacrificially love as Christ loved me? I'm going, I'm, I'm, I promise you guys that it's all going to connect, okay? The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We first believe that there is one God. And out of this God, 
this God we believe in. Love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the self-sacrifice. We give of ourselves. Our full identity is found in him. We give our life to him first. Okay? And when Jesus is talking to people, and they ask him the greatest commandment, and he speaks, love the Lord your God, right? And the second one is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so then that brings up the question, well, who's my neighbor? Is it my next-door neighbor? Is it my brother? Is it my sister? Is it, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a parable of the Good Samaritan, and the, good, the neighbor that he represents there is the enemy. Your neighbor is your enemy. And so you're supposed to love your enemy. Now think of your enemy. Think of the person, if you have an arch nemesis. Think of your enemy. Think of somebody who just, oh, I just don't get along with them. Think of that person or somebody who hurt you at some point in your life. We're supposed to love them? We're supposed to do that? Okay, Jesus. Well, what does that look like? I still haven't gotten to the answer. What does that look like? What does it look like to love one another? In this passage, he is talking about Christian neighbor, right? But we're bringing it as a whole into the scriptures. What does loving my neighbor look like? For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is the will to will the good of the other. And what is this good? What is this love that we want to offer people? It's life. It's life. So if I say to you, hey, you know what? Um, you should will the good of your neighbor. Your enemy, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt. You should will the good. What does that good look like? Well, I wish that they had a big house and a two-car garage, and I wish they had a big family. That's, what, that's, that's willing their good, right? Yeah? Well, you can pray that, but that's not what we're talking about. I will that they get to the best school. Hey, I hope that, I hope that they do. That's not what we're talking about. I hope that all the problems go away. Okay. Um, we can pray for that. That's not what we're talking about. To will the good of the other is for them to come into fellowship with Jesus Christ. If love stems from God, and his love is one of self-sacrifice for life, and we are called to love as he loved us, then we will, we pray, we hope that they come into a loving fellowship with our Lord and our Savior. And that could be sharing the story that you have with God, what God did for you in life. That could be praying for your grandchildren, your children, teaching them about the Bible. It's us as a church raising those who have been baptized. It can be expressed in many different ways. To love one another is to will that they come to life in Christ Jesus. Yes, we can pray that they go to the right college. Yes, we can pray that they find a spouse. Yes, we can pray. Those are all good things to pray for. And those fall under the category of the most perfect love, the divine love that is found in Christ Jesus. So, with all that said, now I'm going to do a little bit of challenge 
for us. Maybe you have an enemy, maybe you don't. But we all here have some sort of family, and we have church family. There's somebody in your life that needs to hear the love of Christ, needs to experience the love of Christ. Right? Those three things, the theology, the morality, and the social. Working together. You can't separate one without the other. And there's somebody in your life, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody you ran into and, and you guys got each other's phone number and you need to reach out to them. What can I do that we may have life and life abundantly? And if we are already Christians, how can I be praying for my brother or my sister? All these are ways of showing God's love, of loving one another. Is there somebody I need to forgive? Is there somebody I need to have a conversation with? And maybe you're already doing these things, and praise God for that. We are living into God's love. Guys, let us remember that God is first. His love comes first. And out of his love, we express the truth. So think about that person. Pray for that person. Have a conversation with that person that they may have life and life abundantly. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you offer us the truth, that you have forgiven us of our sins. In this sin, in forgiveness of sins, we have reconciliation and we have fellowship with you. God, if anybody here needs to hear that truth, if anybody here needs to find you and feel that love, may they feel it. May they come to know you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right.